Morning. Welcome to St. James. I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to uh, whoever's watching on the live stream too. If you could take a second, and there should be somewhere on your pew, uh, if you're sitting near the end, there should be like a, a guest register of some sort there. If you could take that and you could sign that and pass that down the row so everybody else can sign it too. There's also a QR code on the bulletin if you'd prefer to do that digitally. Um, <clears throat> let me <clears throat> run through a few announcements here. One real quick one, a Tuesday morning men's Bible study. If you're interested in being in that, let me know. Uh, you're going to need uh, one of the study guides. We're going to do chapter one for this Tuesday, uh, so let me know. All right, moving on to today. Uh, it's kind of a weird service today. Not, not weird in a bad way, but weird in a, just a different way. Uh, so we have several things going on. We're going to um, uh, recognize and pray for the graduating seniors. We're going to um, confirm four youth confirmands, and then we have a baptism. And then after the service, everybody's invited, and especially, so, so everybody's invited to come downstairs where we're going to recognize our seniors, and we're going to recognize the youth confirmands, and we're going to have some cake. And um, right after that, just flowing into that, we're going to have a ministry fair. So wh whoever wants to can come, but especially those of you, of you who are members, uh, what really this is a great opportunity to figure out how to get plugged in and how to get involved and how to serve the Lord here. So that's going to happen right after the, the youth confirmand recognition and the uh, graduation confirmation uh, downstairs. So, the, so there's no Bible study or Sunday school per se today. Uh, just come downstairs and we'll head off into that stuff. Um, finally, we are still tonight having um, evening prayer at 5.30 and then uh, new members class at 6 o'clock. So if uh, you want to be a part of that, uh, show up at 6. All right, I think that that's all I have. Why don't we go ahead and stand and we'll sing the opening hymn.
continue in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto You that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against You in thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to Your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring Your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given Your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for His sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by Your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of You and of Your will and true obedience to Your Word to the end that by Your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Upon this Your confession, I announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Savior Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 47, this is a great psalm for ascension. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great King over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom He loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
seated. The Acts reading, uh, which is, this is a little bit out of order because we're going to do the Gospel reading last, but the Gospel reading actually happens before the Acts reading. It's right at the beginning of Acts. It's about the um, ascension of Jesus. And Luke starts off uh, addressing a guy named Theophilus, who uh, we don't know hardly anything about, except for uh, what we can tell is that Theophilus is somehow the patron of Luke. He's somehow sponsored Luke's writing of the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while Jesus is staying with the disciples, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We'll look at that two weeks from now on Pentecost Sunday. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading is from Ephesians 1, 15-23. And uh, I'm going to preach just a little bit about this text today. And uh, you'll see when we get in here, it mentions uh, the ascension of Jesus and how it fits in with who Jesus is and what he's doing for us now. Paul says, For this reason, uh, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. There's the ascension. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, um, if the graduating seniors could come forward and kind of stand up here. And uh, they're not all here today just because it's not possible to get everybody here. But uh, those who are here will uh, uh, come forward. I hope that there's at least one. Declan, go ahead and like, come up here and like, lead the way. There you go. And uh, we're going to pray for them. And as we're praying for them, we're praying for all the other ones as well too, okay? And uh, so uh, you can line up on both sides if you want. So, so whenever you, uh, afterwards, come on downstairs, everybody, and we'll hear from them, and they're going to tell us kind of what their plans are uh, for next year. 
Uh, but right now I want to pray for them. I, so it's kind of a weird vibe when kids, uh, a lot of them, some of them are going to stay here, but a lot of them are going to go away to school. And then they're kind of gone, and uh, they're out of sight, and not out of their parents' minds, but a little bit uh, divorced from what's going on here still, except when they're home at Christmas in the summers. Uh, but they're still a part of our church, and we're sending them out almost as on mission. And I know that, you like, so college is all about them, right? And they're going to... Uh, they're going to uh, uh, learn so that they can make money and earn a career. Uh, but really, uh, they're going out as members of St. James, as, uh, especially as members of the body of Christ, powered by the Holy Spirit. And so when they go to school, part of their burden is to be on mission, just like they were here, here, just like they were here, and to find community there, and to serve the Lord there. And they're all going to bump into people and run into people who are at different stages in their faith life. You're going to make friends who are devoutly believers of Jesus. You're going to make friends who are atheists and agnostics. And all of these nice people that you meet, you're going to be called to serve in different ways. And so when you leave here, don't think about like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not at church. You are the church. You're St. James Lutheran Church, and you're going there as St. James Lutheran Church on mission. And so I'm going to pray for you along those lines. There's lots of people who are praying for you to get good grades and to not waste the money that your parents are spending on you to send you to college. There's lots of people who are praying those prayers, and I join with your parents in praying those prayers as well. But th this morning specifically, I want to pray for you guys in your faith. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, be with these seniors. Um, it's a very, very weird moment for parents to send their kids away, especially if they're the first ones who are getting sent away. Father, be with them and empower them with your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, you promise, us, promise in your word that uh, your son Jesus is ruling and reigning at your right hand, and that means that he's here right now in the sanctuary, but he's also in the dorm rooms and in the classrooms and in the athletic fields and band rooms and in the uh, coffee shops and in all the conversations and relationships that these guys are going to make uh, when they're far away from home. And so, Father, we're committing them to the care of your son Jesus Christ and to the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, we can't always be with them. And we don't always need to be with them. That would be idolatrous. We cannot be God to these people. But you can be God to them. And so, Father, as they uh, go away, wherever they are going to go, be with them, Lord, and empower them with your Holy Spirit. Keep them firm in the faith. Keep them steadfast in your word. Help them to be lovers of the Bible. Help them to be lovers of the friends that they make. Help them to be on mission. God, bring about the conversations and the relationships that you want them to have that are going to bring glory to you. Help them to find while they're in school as they minister and serve to their dorm mates and to their roommates and their uh, friends on their teams and in their music groups and in their classrooms. Help them to find their spiritual gift. Father, open their eyes and their hearts and their behavior to the ways that you've gifted them to serve other people. Father, may, may they be ever mindful of who they belong to, you, but to us as well. And that when they leave, they take a part of us with them. Not for bad, not for sadness, but as fuel for mission guide and protect them. May your kingdom grow because of what they're going to do at college and throughout their lives, Lord, may they continue to grow in this mission. May they continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, we all love you guys. And now go be seated. Uh, that was very kind of a weird transition. You guys can go sit down. Declan, go ahead, lead the way. And then uh, we're going to meet them afterwards downstairs while we eat cake. They're, they are each of them uh, and they're not going to leave because uh, they're going to have to talk in public. They're each of them going to tell us uh, what they're going to be doing uh, for the next four years and where they're going to be at. Okay, uh, youth confirmands. Uh, there's four of you right now. 
Go ahead and come forward. Reeve, be the Declan Graney of the Youth Confirmands. Lead the way. Yes, and so um, I'm going to preach a short sermon to you now about uh, confirmation. Super short. Uh, you can all let's just stand over here. It's fine. Yeah, you're going to have to kneel at some point. So if you just want to, there you go. Good. Uh, confirmation is a big deal in our circles, um, and I think it's it's uh, rightfully so. It's an important thing. Uh, but now that I've said that, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about what confirmation is not. Uh, there definitely is, um, at least in, the, in, in my circles, in Lutheran circles, there are some, unfortunately, uh, some wrong ideas about what confirmation is that have kind of, they haven't caused problems, but they've kind of led us to sort of okay problems from time to time. Uh, first of all, you know, confirmation's not in the Bible. It's not taught in God's Word. It do- doesn't mean we can't do it, but it's not commanded, and so why do we do it is a good question uh, that we all should ask. First of all, it's not a sacrament. I know there are some churches who view confirmation as a sacrament, but it's not a sacrament because it's not commanded by God to do. It's something that the church has decided to do as a very, very healthy and good way, which we'll get to why the, the positives here in a second, but it doesn't actually give you guys grace. Like coming forward today is not going to be spiritually beneficial to you on its own. Unlike Reading God's Word, unlike baptism and Holy Communion, which have a sort of intrinsic power in their own, a confirmation doesn't. Confirm, this isn't some sort of magical thing that's going to happen where all of a sudden they like advance to level 23 in Christianity or whatever the next level is that you guys need to get to. It doesn't have that ability. God creates faith in you guys when you read His Word and now when you come to Holy Communion for the first time and you believe the promises of the gospel that God gives you in the bread and the wine. When you continue, like the rest of the Christians here, to believe the promises that God made to you in his word, in the water of baptism, that's what grows you in grace and in knowledge of him. Confirmation's a healthy part of how you express that, but it's not something that's like magical, that's like fixing you guys. It's not a graduation. This is actually kind of one of the bad parts, and uh, uh, it's a little bit of one of the bad parts of confirmation in my circles is it's usually like an eighth grade thing and it's kind of joined in a lot of times with graduating. For, for, for those of you who uh, have, and not, not all of you, but some of you have gone to Lutheran school, and especially for Lutheran school kids, it's kind of a problem because it kind of gets joined up with graduating from eighth grade. And so it becomes like, oh, I've been confirmed. You know, once you graduate from eighth grade, you don't go back to elementary school anymore. Once you graduate from Christianity, you get your, you know, your Christian diploma, that's what confirmation is, then you don't have to come back to church anymore. And so we've seen a lot of problems with that in the Lutheran church where people have assumed, like, oh, I got my, I've got my diploma. I'm good to go. This is not a graduation. You're not graduating from anything. You're just continuing on this journey of growing in grace and knowledge of Jesus for the rest of your lives. This is not a coming-of-age event. A lot of times we see this uh, in Lutheran churches. We'll see uh, families bring their kids for baptism. Then you don't see them for like 15, uh, 12, 13 years. Then they'll come back for confirmation, like, hey, we need to get our kids confirmed. Why? Because that's what happens in eighth grade, you know? That's what, that's what you do. It's like, that's what eighth graders do. And that leads to all sorts of, again, like people who don't come to church because the important thing is baptism and confirmation. But actually being in a relationship with Jesus, that's less important. So I'm gonna encourage the four of you to be in church, to continue in your walk with Jesus. And this is one of the reasons why, by the way, uh, we don't do graduation, uh, graduation, 
We don't do confirmation in eighth grade, and we don't do the robes thing. I know that for, for a lot of you, that's been sort of a difficult transition, you know, the robes and the carnations and things like that. What we don't want to do is like a graduation vibe. What we want to do instead is, and this is for the rest of you who have kids in this church, is coming to communion, being confirmed. It's not an age thing. It's whenever you want it to happen. And so we've got some fifth graders and sixth graders and seventh graders here. It's not like, well, you can't have communion until you're in eighth grade. This is actually not in the Bible. It's when you guys as parents and families decide, hey, we think our kid wants to follow and love Jesus. We think they're ready to learn about the faith, or to, 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 um, they've already been learning about the faith. We think they're ready to, be, to, 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 to uh, be examined and to profess out loud that we believe in Jesus, we want to be Christians. And whenever that's appropriate for you guys, there's no age limit on it, uh, we can do that. And so uh, these guys have come for that as well. Okay, so what is it then, if it's not a coming of age event, if it's not a graduation Confirmation, there's basically two good benefits to confirmation. Confirmation is one great way for you guys, as you're, as you're becoming a communing members of the church, to stand up in front of all these people who love you and care about you and say, we are Christians. We believe in Jesus. And we promise with the help of God, can't do it on our own, but we promise with the help of God to be faithful unto death. And we promise, even if our families say, oh, you don't need to go back to church. We promise that we're going to continue in God's word and in coming to church because this is our team now. The Christian church is our team now. And so that's one great way to stand here and uh, confess in front of everybody here that you believe in Jesus. The other great thing that it's about is in communion, we're told to examine ourselves. To examine ourselves, do you really believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the gospel? And this is, this is not hard, this is not uh, anything that's sort of dramatic, you don't have to, but you do have to be old enough to, 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 to know, if you're going to take communion, God saves us no matter what age we are, but if you're going to take communion and examine yourself, you should be old enough to say, do I believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. And so this is one great way before your first communion, and we did this, uh, we had a questioning thing last week, which uh, uh, we did downstairs, a lot of family was there. Um, where we asked these guys just basic questions. Do you know who Jesus is? It wasn't a test of their knowledge. It was just a test of, do they understand the basis of Christianity and do they want to follow Jesus with their lives? And all four of them said, we do. We want to. And so when you come to communion, you come as repentant sinners. Maybe if you had come when you were really young, you might, you might have, but you might not have come up thinking, you know what, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive my sins and to save me. Now you know that. You're old enough to be able to say, yep, Jesus is the one. And so when you come to communion, some, sometimes you're going to come to communion and um, maybe you haven't done anything really horrible. I know you four guys, you don't do a whole lot of things horrible. But over the course of your life, some of you are going to do some pretty bad things and you're going to feel super guilty about it. And come to communion and you say, I'm so sorry, God, will you forgive me? And no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've said, Jesus is on your side and wants to give himself to you in his word and in bread and wine. So uh, let me ask you guys to kneel here, and I'm going to ask them some questions, and uh, they're going to uh, go ahead and kneel, and they're going to uh, say this as loud as they can so that all of you can hear them, uh, not as loud as you can, but loudly enough, so that all of you can hear them confess their faith, and, and I'll give you guys prompts too so that you know what to say, okay? And you can all just answer together in unison. So do you today, the four of you, do you acknowledge in the presence of God in this congregation the gifts that God gave you by giving you his word, by adopting you, by baptizing you, and by bringing you into his church, if you do say, yes, we do. 
Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? If so, say, yes, we do. Do you believe in the triune God revealed in the Bible and confessed in the Apostles' Creed? If so, say, yes, we do. Do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? If you do, say, yes, we do. Do you confess the doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church drawn from the scriptures as you've learned to know it from the small catechism to be faithful and true? If so, say, we do. Do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? If so, say, we do by the grace of God. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and his church even to death? If so, say, we do by the grace of God. As you continue to hear the Lord's word and receive his sacrament, he who has begun a good work you begun a good work and you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to get myself organized here. Revy? 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. through seven. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Liam Graney, Psalm 27, 4 through 5. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Jacob Stocky, 1 Timothy 6, 11-12. But as for you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Luke Keller, Romans 8, 15-17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Revi, Liam, Jacob, Luke, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth of water and of the Spirit, and has forgiven you all your sins, strengthen you with His grace to life everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for goodness in bringing your children to the knowledge of your Son and allowing their mouths this morning, well, their whole lives, but now this morning especially to confess. And their hearts to believe that Jesus is Lord. And now allow them to continue bearing fruit and growing in grace until that day when you make all things new. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You all may return to your families and then um, come forward at communion to receive your first communion. And then uh, may Winston Rapp and his posse come forward.
If you guys want to come behind the font there, all of you can come together. Here's a... So, um, oh, before we start here, let me just say, uh, William and Rosie Ellington had their kids baptized on Thursday, uh, Makari and Nehemiah and Kyrie. They had to do it on Thursday because Rosie's dad's a pastor and can't get away from his church. But make sure you, you connect with them. They're somewhere around here. Okay, so, yeah, they're in the building somewhere. Uh, make sure, they're there. Make sure you connect with them and say hi and uh, uh, welcome their kids as well. So uh, Winston's coming to be baptized this morning. We have a lot of baptisms lately, and so I've struggled to find uh, different ways to talk about baptism at the beginning of these things that don't bore you. Uh, but just uh, let me just say that um, God created this big, beautiful world that we live in. Humans screwed it up by rebelling. God comes up with a plan to rescue his humans and his entire creation. And the way that he does it is through the death and resurrection and ascension of his son, Jesus. But the way he gets the death and resurrection and ascension of his son, Jesus, to me and you here in this room and to Winston is through his word. We're saved by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 says, tells us. Now the word of God comes to us in all kinds of different forms. One is through the Bible, as you read your Bible. One is through the preaching of the word. One big way that we do it is through the water of baptism. God combines his word with the water in order to save us. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that Christ has sanctified his church, washing her with the water of the word. And if the word of God saves, and the word of God is in the water, then we believe Jesus when he tells us that baptism now saves us, like 1 Peter 3 says. And so Winston's coming this morning to be baptized and um, welcoming him into um, our family too. So, Winston Rapp. Receive the sign of the cross on your forehead and upon your heart, marking you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified and risen. Uh, the Bible teaches that faith is a gift. We know this. This is not a work that Winston is doing, of course. Winston is just brought up here more or less unaware of what's going on. God is the one who baptizes us. God uses his word to save us. And the word and water is the same way. This is a gift that God is giving Winston in the waters of baptism. Also, baptism is not, this is, again, this is not a one-off thing. Baptism is not some sort of magic event that you can do, and now everything's going to be good. Baptism is super important. It's the way God brings redemption to us. It's the way God brings regeneration, his word to us physically. But it's a part of this whole lifelong process of studying God's word, being trained by loving parents and godparents, being prayed for, learning lessons the hard way, learning lessons the easy way, coming to know and love Jesus through his word and in community with us. And so in light of that, I'm going to ask David and Paula and Godparents some questions. And we're going to commit to this on behalf of Winston. Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? If so, say yes. And do you believe in the God who's revealed to us in Scripture and whom we confess in the Apostles' Creed? If so, if you all could stand with me now and we're going to confess uh, our Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. If you need it, it's not in your bulletin. It's in the back of the hymnal, in the back flyleaf. But let's confess the Apostles' Creed now. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, 
crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You all may be seated. In light of Jesus' command not just to baptize, but also teach everything He commanded, do you promise to bring Winston to worship with the gathering of God's people, teach him the commandments and the promises of the gospel, and pray for his spiritual growth? If so, say yes. yes. May God help you to do this important work so that Winston will be faithfully brought up in the arms of Jesus. Winston David Rapp, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May God, uh, may God who has caused you to be born again of water and of the Spirit and has forgiven all your sins, strengthen you with His grace unto life everlasting. Amen. Is he going to be cool with this? <laughs> All right, let's sing Jesus Loves Me. going out and you're coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. You guys may return to your seats and we will sing the sermon hymn.
stand for the gospel reading? The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 24. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem you are witnesses of these things and behold I'm sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands he blessed them while he blessed them he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God this is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. bulletin at the epistle reading from Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. Uh, this is going to be a real short sermon, I promise. I've already preached uh, two sermons at you already. This will be uh, three shorter sermons today. I want to talk about ascension. This is, uh, we're, we're observing ascension today. We don't, it's actually, it's technically Thursday uh, is the feast of ascension, but we're going to do it today since we're not going to meet on Thursday. And Ascension is the day when Christians remember not the resurrection of Jesus. That's, uh, that's something that we celebrated several weeks ago at Easter. Ascension is the, the Christian observance of the moment when Jesus ascends to the right hand of his Father. Now, a lot of Christians, and I'm going to guess that maybe even a majority of those of you in here who are Christians, typically think of the ascension of Jesus, if you think of it at all, as Jesus' temporary absence. Jesus is going away, and now he's not here. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is gone. Now, he sends the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that at Pentecost in a couple weeks. But Jesus is not here. He's gone, and someday he'll come back. And there definitely is language in the New Testament that talks about Jesus going away and coming back. But that's not what ascension means. Ascension does not mean that Jesus is gone. It me a few minutes this morning to point out to you a couple texts in Ephesians, including the one that we just read, uh, in the epistle reading, that say that Jesus ascending to the right hand of the Father means, 
please listen to this. Jesus ascending to the right hand of his Father means that now Jesus is in charge of everything. Jesus is in charge of everything. So look down at Ephesians 1 with me. And we're not going to read the whole thing. I don't know if any of you uh, notice this is all one long sentence, our epistle reading today. So um, uh, bonus points if you can diagram it, I guess. But let's start down at verse 20. God is talking about Jesus and the salvation, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So this is the first of three things that I want to point out to you about this text. First of all, it's about the ascension. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, so this, this is, Jesus is, is uh, with his Father at his right hand. This is what we call the ascension. Uh, let, let's keep on going here. Um, in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This is the second thing I want to point out to you about the ascension in verse 21. Jesus ascending means that he now is above all the powers and all the authorities and all the rulers and all the dominions. Jesus is actually, Christians, uh, the, the earliest Christians confessed this. It got them in trouble. This is what got Christians uh, imprisoned and uh, persecuted, is confessing that Jesus is Lord. Because when you confess that Jesus is Lord, you mean that Caesar is not Christians, you and I are still, we still have this burden to confess that the president is not Lord, that any of the kings and queens or the Congress people in the world are not Lord, that Jesus is ultimately in charge of the universe. It's very, very radical. It's very political. There's not, a, in their mind, there's not a divide between religious things and political things. Uh, more on that next week when we talk about Sabbath. But these two things go together. If Jesus is Lord, it means that Caesar isn't. If Jesus is Lord, it means that our government isn't. If Jesus is Lord, it means that money is not in charge, or that sex is not in charge, or that power is not in charge, or that any other of the good things that God gives us as gifts aren't actually in charge, they actually are working for us. That's what the ascension of Jesus means. Here's the third thing it means. Actually, so this is an interesting parallel here with the ascension story in Matthew. Do you, remember, do you guys remember the Great Commission? You know, lots of times when we talk about the Great Commission, we, we, we start with, therefore, go and uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. We actually leave off the first part of what Jesus said from the verse right before, where he starts off saying, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Jesus has all the authority, not, not just in heaven, he's not like some sort of like spiritual God up there, you know, that he, he kind of gets in your head sometimes and forgives you of your sins, but he really doesn't have anything to do with the real world. No, Jesus insists, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and baptize and disciple all nations. So Jesus' ascension means that now he's in charge of everything. Now he's the Lord of everything. Third thing here that we get from this. And this is the most important thing I want to say. Uh, verse 22. And he put all things under Jesus' feet, there's more authority language, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the church's Christ's body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay. Jesus fills all in all. This is the third thing and the most important thing this morning. I want, and I don't have, I have zero time to unpack this, but we can spend the rest of the year, the rest of our lives thinking about what this means. Jesus, because he ascended, now fills all in all. See what I'm saying? Think about this just for a second. The ascension does not mean that Jesus is gone, the ascension now means that Jesus is everywhere. The ascension does not mean that Jesus is absent. 
The ascension means that Jesus fills all things. He fills all things. And unless you think, well, that's, that's kind of like weird poetic language. Maybe Paul didn't really mean that. If you have your Bibles open or your phone with your Bible app on it, or you want to grab the Pew Bible and look over just a few chapters in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says the exact same thing again. He's talking, in this case, he's talking about spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit has come to Christ's church and empowered each one of you who belong to Jesus with some sort of gift that you can use to serve others, to serve people in the church, to serve people outside the church, to serve your communities in the name of Jesus. And here's how he frames this. It's not that God come, it's not that Jesus like, gives you these nice tools so that you got, you got some sort of ability or gift to use until he comes back, you know, just kill some time here. It's actually the way that Jesus lives here and now in Glen Carbon. Here's what he says. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And he quotes a psalm here. He says, therefore the psalm says, when, when Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, he's talking about Jesus, in saying, verse 9, in saying Jesus ascended, what does it mean but that he also had descended into the lower regions? That's Christmas, right? So Jesus is eternally God. Jesus descends to live with us, to take, up on, to take our nature, to become a human being, eternally to become a human being. Our, this is one thing that makes our religion different than all other religions is that our God is a human being. Our God has a body mass index. Our God has a hair color. Our God has fingerprints. Our God has a certain sense of humor. He has a certain size. We worship a construction worker from Judea from 2,000 years ago. Our God has become a human being. He descends in order so that he can live with us, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that we should have died, to rise from the dead in order to rescue us. But then, Paul insists, he ascends back to the right hand of his father, not so that he can get out of here, not so, okay, my job's done, I'll send the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to get out of here for a while. I'll come back someday, but now I'm gone. Here's what Paul says is happening. He who descended is the one who has ascended far above all heavens. That's the ascension. Jesus has ascended far above all heavens. What for? Why did Jesus ascend far above all heavens? Well, Paul tells us, in order that he might fill all things. Jesus ascended in order that, please listen, it's super important. I know it's not, it's not the way that these things normally fit into our Christian mindsets. Maybe this is very, very different for some of you. Let me say it again. Paul insists in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4 that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father in order that he might fill all things. Not so that he can be gone, but so that he can be here and everywhere at the same time. Two things that we can get from this, and then I'll be done. Two practical things. First of all, if this is true, the Christian church is not a, it should, should not be a special interest group. The whole point of the Christian church is not to get together so that we have a, a group of other people that we all think the same way. Now, part of being in any sort of group is that you begin to think the same way. Being in any sort of community shapes the way that you think. There'll be things that we disagree about, and there'll be lots and lots of things that we agree about, but that's not the main point. Also, this is not like some sort of like, shouldn't be, because I'm totally unqualified for this, this shouldn't be some sort of like group therapy session where you come with kind of all your stresses and anxieties and worries, and then, you know, for a half hour, I kind of like give you like some, a, a nice TED talk to help you get through the week. Those of you who've been here long enough know that I stink at helping you get through the week. Like, I don't have any sort of ability to help you out in your struggles too much. The gospel does, but the point isn't this event. This is not like a spectator sport where once a week we come and we listen to the man do the talking and we pray some prayers and stuff like that. If what Paul is saying about the church in Ephesians 1 and 4 is right, 
then Jesus' ascension means that this is where Jesus is at right now. And I know that that's super weird. I know it's weird when Paul continues talking in Ephesians about the body of Christ. And he means that the Christian church actually is Jesus, present here in Glen Carbon. I know that that's super weird, especially when you look in the mirror and you look around and you're like, well, that person's got a bad singing voice and that person's a hypocrite and that pastor's kind of obnoxious. And this person over here, I know about the bad stuff that they do and I've never gotten along with that person. And I look in the mirror and I see that I'm kind of broken and screwed up too. I know it's weird to think about this collection of people as being Jesus here, but if the ascension is what the ascension says it is here in Ephesians 4, then this is Christ present in Glen Carbon. Why is that important? Because the main thing that Christ wants to do is conquer Glen Carbon. Like he wants to conquer the rest of the universe. How does Jesus do that? How does Jesus conquer Glen Carbon and at the same time conquer Peak in Illinois? And at the same time, conquer Birmingham, Alabama. And at the same time, conquer Cameroon and China and Russia and Brazil. How does Jesus do that? The answer is the ascension. He ascends to the right hand of his Father so that he can be personally all over the world at one time in the person of his body, the Christian church. What we're doing here, this is, so sorry, I did not plan on this. It was not a commercial about ministry fair. But if you want to tap into this, Ministry fair right after this might be a good way for you to do that, to figure out how can I participate in this? How can I manifest who I am as a part of the body of Christ? Well, one way to do that is to figure out how do I fit in here? How do I serve God? How do, how do I participate in what Jesus is doing here in Glen Carbon through St. James? Second thing, and then we'll be done. The Bible teaches that all of Jesus is present in communion. For those of you who aren't Lutheran, I'm about to give you some Lutheran stuff for just a few minutes. Just a nice uh, trigger warning there. Um, the Bible teaches that Jesus, all of Jesus, is present in Holy Communion. Now, there are some Christian churches that would say, that's not possible because Jesus is just a man. He's God, yes, but he's also a man. He's at the right hand of the Father. And the finite is not capable of doing the infinite. Jesus is not capable of filling all things. Jesus is not capable of being everywhere at the same time. And I would just say, Paul just says, that's not true. Jesus, because of his ascension, now fills all things. So, when those of you who are going to receive communion here in just a few minutes come forward, you should be completely confident that if the ascension is real and Jesus fills all things, then by the power of his word, you are receiving all of Jesus for you through his word, through the preaching of his word, and through the gifts of his word, and bread and wine and holy communion. Let's stand and pray, and then we'll come forward for communion. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for being a good God and for loving us. We thank and praise you for filling all things with the person of your son, Jesus, for making him the Lord of the universe, for putting him above all the mayors and all the presidents and all the kings and queens and prime ministers and Congress people of the world, for coming and ruling and reigning and being Lord. And God, we don't, we're the first to admit we don't know exactly what to make of that. We know that there's still suffering in the world and there's still brokenness and your church, least of all, has done a good job of manifesting your rule and reign. But we confess that it's true because your word says it's true. God, make it real here at St. James. Make it real in our lives. Reflect who you are here in our community of Glen Carbon. May you slowly but surely continue to take over Glen Carbon for righteousness and justice and peace and wholeness. Heal relationships. Make, make those of us who are liars honest. Make those of us who are cheats trustworthy. 
make those of us who are self-centered selfless, make those of us who dislike other people make us love outside of ourselves in the name of Jesus. We need your help doing this, and we know that it's possible because you have, you have, your son has ascended and now rules and reigns over all things. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray that you would be with our seniors. Again, we pray that you would be with our youth confirmants. We pray that you would be with Winston. And Father, may all of these people, may all of us, in fact, never know a single moment in time when we're not completely aware that you love us because of your son, Jesus Christ. When we're not completely of the, aware that you have paid the price for our sins, that you have redeemed us back to your name, that you've reconciled us to yourself and are beginning to reconcile us to each other. Help us to live in that baptism reality for the rest of our lives. Lord, in your mercy. Be with everyone in here who is struggling, Father, everybody who is struggling with health issues, lots of anxiety and depression, mental health concerns, lots of relational brokenness, Father, relationships that maybe we think are even beyond repair, lots of financial concerns, concerns about underemployment or unemployment. Father, would you lead and guide and direct? Would you make all things new? Would you give us a little taste of the new creation by rescuing us in the here and now? And Father, where you choose to uh, to pause and to wait. May we trust you. May we know that you are the good God who has promised to redeem all things and to fix all things someday when your son Jesus returns. Lord, in your mercy. We can only pray these things because you are a good God who loves us, who's died for us, who sent his son to die for us, to rise from the dead for us, to ascend to your right hand for us, to rule and reign over us so that we as your daughters and as your sons can be welcomed into your throne room to speak with you whenever we like. And so we pray these prayers with boldness in the name of our brother Jesus. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who after his resurrection appeared openly to all his disciples and in their sight was taken up into heaven that he might make us partakers of his divine life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. pray together in Jesus' name, the prayer that he taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're about to take communion, and for those of you who are visiting and you might be wondering, should I come forward and take communion or not? We have an explanation of what this church uh, uh, teaches and confesses in the front of the bulletin. 
mainly along with the rest of the Christian church, we believe that we are sinners, that all humans are broken and sinful and need redeeming, that God has accomplished that through the death and resurrection, like I preached about, of his son. Specifically, what we as Lutherans believe is that Christ gives himself to us in his word. He gives all of himself, all every part of himself, body and soul to us in the gift of Holy Communion. If you're not really sure what that means, please, uh, uh, it, it, it is... Uh, no dishonor to withhold until you can talk to me and ask questions. If you do confess and believe that with us, you're more than welcome to come forward and take communion as well. Okay, let's begin. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. You may be seated. Just as 
And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in Christ's peace. Amen. keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. I, I've been told that I, uh, I, I skipped right over the offering part, which that was kind of my passive aggressive way of showing you that I don't care about money. But the, so for those of you who are going to uh, 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 give, th- there'll be an offering plate on your way out. If you are visiting with us today, please do not give. It's not your responsibility. It's a family thing. For those of you who are members though, and you are going to give, there's an offering plate there. Uh, uh, everybody, though, whether you're a member or not, please come downstairs for cake and to hang out and hear from the seniors and celebrate the confirmants. Go in God's peace.